Well, happy Easter, everyone. Anybody glad you're here in church today? Man, could be in prison. Amen. Could be in the hospital. But you're in church today celebrating Easter. We're so glad you're with us. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here at Higher Vision. I also want to welcome our online campus from people all around the world here in America, Los Angeles area. We're glad you're worshiping with us today. You know, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 24. You can get that on your phone through the YouVersion app, or if you don't have either, we'll put it on the screens for you. While you're turning there, I'm going to share a joke. But before I share the joke, let me just say, do you realize that today, you may not know this, today is our 10-year anniversary as a church, this Sunday morning. We are in right now our ninth service, all right? Number nine, somewhere around 6,000 people have been here this week. It has been amazing what God has done to see over the last 10 years the faithfulness of God. And we are excited that you are here with us today. Amen. So now I'm going to tell a joke as we get started. You know, just kind of loosen everybody up. But let me just say, you all have to be nice. It's Easter, all right? So how many are going to give me at least a courtesy laugh? All right. Okay. Thank you. A really loud one over here. Okay. So there was this family, this man and his family went to Jerusalem for vacation. While they were there at vacation, unfortunately, this man's mother-in-law passed away. Well, of course, the family was sad, and he goes to the American consulate, gets up to the front desk to say, hey, I need to find out uh, what I need to do to send my mother-in-law back to America to have her buried there. And the man said, oh, sir, it's very, very expensive. It's going to cost you over $5,000 to send her back to America. But you know, you can bury her right here in Jerusalem for 150 $150. So the man stands there for a second, kind of looks up, and finally says, you know what, sir, I'm going to go ahead and pay the $5,000 and send her home. And he goes, oh, you must have loved your mother-in-law so very much to spend $5,000 to send her home when you could just bury her right here in Jerusalem for $150. And the man said, well, actually, I heard a story that there was someone who died in Jerusalem, and three days later they rose again, and I just can't take that chance. So, I just lost all the moms and all the mothers. I also want to say, if you're in junior high, I want to release you. You can head back to the lobby. We're going to have a class, especially a service just for you. Anybody thankful for this day that Jesus is risen, that there's hope in his name? <laughs> uh, a few of your mother-in-laws are not clapping right now. You're just shaking your head. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read this passage together found in Luke. This is a story that took place on Easter. Jesus had died. He rose from the grave. The disciples had been told that he was risen, but they hadn't seen him. And a couple of the disciples were on their way home from Jerusalem. This is where we pick up on our story. Would everyone read this with me? That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were not able to recognize who he was. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, Lord, we humble our hearts. Today, I humble my heart before you, God. And I ask that 
in the next few moments. People won't leave this room going, hey, that was a funny joke or that was a nice message, but they'll leave saying, I think I heard God speak to me. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to begin to work in the hearts of every person that's here. Will you take a moment right now to connect with God through the Holy Spirit? Just open your heart. Just open your heart. God, we love you. When we say speak to us today, in Jesus' name. If you are a believer and you love Jesus, can somebody shout amen? (laughs) You may be seated today. You know, as I read this story, here's what we discover, that these two disciples are walking back to their town of Emmaus. Jesus comes up and joins them, and they don't even recognize who he is. As I read through this passage several weeks ago, it made me ask two questions. And this morning, I want to ask two questions. That's really going to be our points, our main points. These two questions. You ready? Point number one is simply this. The first question I want to ask this morning is, why don't we see Jesus? Why don't people see Jesus? Now, what's interesting in this story is some translations suggest that it was God who veiled their eyes so they couldn't recognize him. Have you ever had someone in your life that you've said, man, I I want them to see Jesus, but they just don't see him. Maybe you've got a coworker that you've been witnessing to and sharing the love of Christ, but they just don't seem to see it. Maybe you have a family member that you've been praying for, but they just don't see it. And you're like, oh, if you could just recognize, it's almost as if there's some kind of disguise. In fact, you know what, we're, we, we understand and are familiar with disguises, especially when it comes to superheroes. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a favorite superhero? Okay? We don't really have many superhero fans, I guess, here in the room today. Okay, how many would say Batman is your favorite superhero? Let me see. Your hand was up quick. All right. How many would you, you say, would say that Spider-Man is your favorite superhero? All right, do we have any Superman fans in the room? He always gets the biggest response. Here is what Superman looks like. Take a look right there on the screen. All right, Superman looks like this, but then he goes under disguise to the Daily Planet looking like this. Have you ever been watching that movie and the whole time you're looking at Lois Lane and looking at Clark Kent and you're kind of going, McFly, hello, right? I mean, they're just a pair of glasses. Really? You don't recognize that that's Superman because of the glasses? Well, you know what I'm believing this morning? I'm believing that some glasses are going to come off and some people are going to recognize a real hero and his name is Jesus. Amen? So I want to ask this question, why don't people see Jesus? And I want to answer it with this story, okay? First reason that people don't see Jesus is simply this, because religion hides him. Religion hides Jesus. In this story, Jesus, when he joins their party, they're talking, and they they don't realize that that Jesus is with them, and they begin to talk about how that he's died, and Jesus then says, guys, don't you understand that the scriptures have foretold this already, that the Messiah would come, and he would die, and he would rise again? He's basically, basically telling them, it's right there, guys, don't you see it? 
Remember when he told the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, he looked at the Pharisees and the scribes and he says, here, you're searching the scriptures for eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. In other words, you're looking, but you can't see it. In fact, I brought a picture today. Um, and in this picture, they're going to bring it up right now. When you see it, let me ask you a question. How many of you see a beautiful young lady? Let me ask you a question. How many of you see an ugly old woman? Okay, let me ask this question. How many of you do not see the ugly old woman? Raise your hand, if be honest. Look at the hands. I'm just like you. The first service, I didn't see it. So let me help you. If you look at the face line of the old woman, that's the no- I mean of the young woman, that's the nose of the old lady. See how it goes down to her neck? The, the necklace is the mouth of the old lady. Does everybody see it now? All right. Some of you may need to put your glasses on and just... The point is, you see kind of what you're looking for. And maybe you're here today and you've lost sight of Jesus, just like these disciples. They couldn't even see that Jesus was right there. And maybe for you, the reason you can't see him, the reason religion has hidden him, is because for you, as you've kind of been growing in your relationship, trying to know God, you've, you've heard about all of these things that you have to do, and if you do this, and you do this, and if you don't do this, and you don't do this, and suddenly now, because of all these rules and because of all these systems, you can't even see him anymore. Maybe you're here and religious is hidden, religion has hidden him because someone in a church hurt you. Maybe it was in a pastor or a leader and they did you wrong. And so now a relationship with God, he's there in your life, but you can't even see him because religion has crowded him out. It's blocked your vision. Maybe for you it's because you've seen the scandals in the church and people who've done a bad job of managing what God has given them. And now all you can see is the scandals and you can't see Jesus, I'm going to tell you, Jesus hides, I mean, I'm sorry, religion hides him. You know, another thing that hides Jesus, why people don't see him is, and this one's really simple, it's not in our story, but it's in the Bible, and that's this, the devil hides him. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, they are unable to what? They're unable to what? They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Maybe today you are here and you are trying to figure out what this God thing is all about. Maybe you're kind of interested in knowing, is there eternal life? Is there a creator? Is Jesus this guy, the son of God? But you haven't been able to see him, and here's why. Because the devil, the Bible says there is a devil, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to live up to your God potential. He doesn't want you to go to heaven one day and experience eternal life. He doesn't want you to live the abundant life that God has for you now. And so he'll put a blinder on you, and a blinder when it comes on you, you can't see. Maybe today you've been blinded and you've been blinded by the blindfold of hypocrisy. You look at Christians who are supposed to be Christians, but they're not really living what Christians say they're supposed to live. And so now you're blinded and you can't see Jesus because all you can see is the hypocrites that you know. Maybe for you, the the blindfold the devil has put in your eyes is education. Maybe for you, you're like in that movie, I believe in science. I remember the, anybody remember that movie? Nacho Libre? This is Easter's. I just want you to know. 
And the mentality that you have is, well, Pastor Jared, if you could prove it to me, if you could show me scientifically, if you could you know, lay it all out with, with X's and O's and A's and B's, then I would believe. Let me tell you something about a relationship with God. It does require faith. Maybe because of education, you can't see. Maybe for you, the, the blindfold that's over your eyes is fear. And the fear is that, well, if I try to be a Christian, you don't understand, Jared, how many things I've done wrong in my life. You don't know the problems, the troubles I've seen. You don't know the things that I've done. God could never, ever love me. God could never, ever forgive me. I could never live up to that. There's no way I could do it. And so you're blinded by the enemy and you can't see Jesus. See, religion hides him. The devil hides him. Now let me show you another part of this story of what hides and stops us from seeing Jesus. Are you ready? This other point is simply this. Now hear me. Hopelessness hides him. Hopelessness hides Jesus. You might say, well, Pastor Jared, what do you mean? Where do you find that in this passage? Well, let's go to Luke chapter 24, verse 17. It says, he asked them, now this is Jesus, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. They had been talking about Jesus who had died, and so they go on to explain. Our high priests and leaders betrayed him. Got him sentenced to death and crucified him. Now look at this next line, because this next sentence gives us some indication. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. But now some of our women were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen, a vision of angels who said he would be alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Basically, here's what they're saying. Our hopes were shattered. We thought he was the one. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that are just like these disciples. They were with Jesus for three and a half years. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him heal the sick. They watched him cleanse the lepers. They were with him. They knew him. They loved him. And then suddenly, Jesus disappointed them. And now they can't see him anymore. And how many people that are in church today, they're struggling and they're saying, just like these disciples were saying, God, where are you? I thought you loved me. I thought you would never leave me or forsake me. God, are you even out there? Are you even up there? Hello, God, are you even there? And now they don't even realize that God is there because their hopelessness has blinded them. Maybe you've gone through a divorce that hit you. You didn't even know it was coming. Maybe you lost someone that you loved and now you're feeling the loss and the grief. Maybe you've gone through a bankruptcy. Maybe someone close to you, they betrayed you. And now you can't see him anywhere because your hopelessness has blinded you. And you don't even see Jesus. It's kind of quiet in here. Y'all still there? All right. So if if these are some of the reasons why we don't see Jesus, here's the second question I want to ask. It's really simple this weekend. How do we see Jesus. How can we see Jesus? And if you continue reading the story, you're going to see a couple of ways that God helps us to see his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to read with me if you have a Bible. Let's go to Luke chapter 24, verse 28. 
Maybe you're in Honolulu watching right now. Someone just popped in. Why don't you join us? Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Here's what it says. They came to the edge of the village. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a moment here. Anybody ever seen that movie where they say village? They came to the village. I don't know, sorry. Just had a little moment there. This is my ninth service. Give me a little grace, okay? All right? So, all right. Last, last, ser- last service, I forgot where I was. I promise you. Back there, they were guessing where I was going. They're like, he's freelancing. We don't know what he's doing. So they came to the edge of the village where they had headed. He acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them, and here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. And at that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road as he opened up the scriptures for us? I like what the other translation says. It says, didn't our hearts burn within us? You see, as we read this part of the story, we discover two reasons and two ways that you and I will see Jesus. Here's the first one. You ready? How do we see him? An invitation reveals Jesus. An invitation reveals Jesus. Listen, they were standing talking to the Son of God. They didn't know who he was and what kind of power he had. They didn't know that he had the authority to forgive sins. They didn't know that who was standing with them had the authority to heal the sick, to set the captive free. They didn't know any of that, but they knew something was up. So much to the point that they made a decision. And here was the decision they made. They said, I am not going to let this moment go by without inviting whatever's going on, whoever this is, I'm going to make sure that they're in my home, that they come with me. I'm inviting them into my life because there's something about them. And I want to tell you, there are people here, and maybe you haven't understood it all. Maybe you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, but I want to tell you something. An invitation will start the process where God will open your eyes and you will see that he truly is the Son of God and the risen Lord. Somebody say amen. As we were preparing for this weekend, uh, several weeks ago, in our creative meeting, I was talking to the team, and we came up with this idea, this idea for a video. And some people in our church rallied together, and we we put this video together. And you're going to see a man who's in a, a cell, alone, feeling hopeless, full of despair. And at one moment, you'll see that he reaches for hope, and everything changes. I want you to take a look.
cell, what he didn't realize is the whole time he was there, the answer was right next to him. It wasn't until the light came on that he realized right there was hope. Did you know the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory? You see, when he embraced hope, when he embraced, let's make an analogy, when he embraced Christ, it was the beginning of the process for the breakthrough so that the walls would fall down, so that the light would come. You see, I want to tell you one way that Jesus is revealed is that we're willing to say, God, I invite you. Jesus, I invite you in to my home. And that's the beginning of a revelation. But you know the second thing, and it's a really powerful part of this story, is that how do we see him? Not only an invitation, but here's this, the last point. Brokenness reveals Jesus. Brokenness reveals Jesus. If you read through the story, here's what it says. It says when he took the bread and he broke it. It was at the moment of breaking that their eyes were open. Now, did their eyes open because God unveiled their eyes? Maybe. Could it be that as the disciples, they weren't part of the 12, so they weren't four days earlier at the Passover, but maybe they had heard the disciples, the 12, talk about how that they'd been with Jesus and how that he broke the bread. Could it have been as he broke the bread that had opened their eyes and they realized, oh, that's Jesus. I don't know whether it was simply because he did the act and they remembered or if it was God unveiling, but here's the big point. The point is, is that Jesus is often revealed in brokenness. Many times we experience brokenness, and the first thing we do is, God, where are you? I thought you, I, I thought you were with me. You're not with me. You've left me. You've forgotten me. But God revealed that he was there to these disciples in the midst of their hopelessness, in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their broken moment. Jesus became real. I want to read a story or a verse to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This entire chapter is a beautiful chapter because it really is about the death and resurrection of Christ and how it relates to you and me. It begins with chapter, in chapter 4 with verse 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great treasure is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We get knocked down, but we get up again. Sorry, that's not really how that goes. <laughs> we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, through brokenness, through pain, through trials... Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be what? Seen in our bodies. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
You see, the Bible says we're like a clay jar. A clay pot is something that's very, um, it, it's flimsy. It can easily crack or shatter. I moved one the other day in the backyard, and as I did, it tipped. And just by tipping over it, it had a crack in it and a chip. I haven't told my wife yet. <laughs> in other words, clay pots can easily be broken. I'm going to tell you, in this world, even though you accept Jesus, you're still going to have troubles. People are still going to die. Trials are going to come. Challenges are going to come. You're going to face issues. You're going to face problems. You're going to face struggles. And what happens is sometimes through those struggles, we think God has left us. And through those struggles, we quit realizing that he's right there with us. So we start saying, God, where are you? Do you even love me anymore? And we get so focused on what is happening to us that we forget who lives inside us. That the light of the resurrected power of Jesus is on the inside. So... When we experience brokenness and we're pressed, you know what the word pressed in the Greek means? It means pressure and to suffer tribulation. It says even though we're pressed, we're not crushed. Even though we're perplexed, the word perplexed in the Greek is a word which means no way out. I don't even know how this is going to happen. But it says we're not in despair. And then it says, even though you're knocked down. When I was little, I used to have this toy that was a punching bag. But it had a weight on the bottom. And every time you'd knock it down, it'd come right back up. That's what this says. Even though you're knocked down, you're not destroyed. Why? Because inside of us, if you've invited Jesus, inside of you is the light and power of God. And here's what it is. It's Holy Ghost super glue. Because when you feel like you're falling apart, here's what God says. This is what the message of Easter is. Even though you're going through suffering, here's the good news. Though it feels like everything's falling apart, I'm going to hold you together because I have my power inside of you. But here's the deal. We think brokenness is weakness. But the Bible says, in our weakness, he is made strong. The message of Easter is maybe you've forgotten. God is with you. You're not alone. If you want, you can run off home like these disciples and close your eyes and not realize that he's there, but I'm here to tell you, if you just open your eyes in the midst of your brokenness, you'll recognize that you aren't alone. And here's what you'll recognize, that he's the one holding you together. And not only is he holding you together, but here's the the beautiful part of this story, this verse. At the end, it says, not only will he hold you together, you'll be knocked down, but you won't be destroyed. It says that as you die with Christ, your spirit is renewed every day. And the word renewed in the Greek is a word which means renovate. My parents have been living in the same home for 25 years. And they just decided to renovate their bathrooms. Hallelujah. I was tired of going in there and sitting on the toilet like this. Have you ever had one of those toilets that kind of sink to one side? It's just unnatural. It just Chips on the floor, you know, scratches in the tile, 
You get in the tub and your feet slip. But hallelujah, the contractors came. And they started the breaking process. And as they began to break it all apart, now there's marble countertops, there's beautiful tile, a brand new shower. It's beautiful. Here's the point. You can't have a renovation unless you have some brokenness. And sometimes God is in the process of creating something new. All those who are in Christ, old things are passed away and all things are become new. God has a design. He has a plan for you. And you're fighting your brokenness. You're fighting your pain. You're closing your eyes. And what God's trying to do is get your attention to put on the glasses and realize that he's making you stronger and he's making you better and he's making you beautiful because God, the message of Easter comes that not only can he hold you together, but he can make you brand new. A little nip, a little tuck. Some of you getting a spiritual makeover, hallelujah, right here in Southern California. You know what a question mark is, right? A question mark is basically an exclamation point has been turned over. And what happens is the enemy, trials come and turn your exclamation point into a question mark. But what God is wanting to do today is to take that question mark and make it an exclamation point. You see, there can't be a resurrection until there's a death. There can't be a healing until there's a sickness. There can't be a reconciliation until there's some brokenness. And what God is wanting to awaken inside our hearts is that, listen, I haven't left you. I am right here with you. And if you'll open your eyes in the midst of your brokenness, I am there to hold you together. I'm there to give you a test. But that test is going to turn into a testimony because I am here to make you Maybe you've never been to a church with a pastor who preaches. I, I, I don't just talk, I preach. You get a little passionate. Some people call it the angry elf. I don't know. But I am passionate today because I want you to know something. You're not alone. He's right there. We're going to do something right now that I've been praying for for weeks and weeks. You have a glow stick in your hand. I want everyone to stand to their feet. You have a glow stick in your hand, and there's a reason you have it. The reason that you are holding a glow stick is because I want you to see something that I'm praying you will never, ever forget. You see, with the glow stick, it's in the breaking. Now, let me be careful to say, don't actually try to break the glow stick. We had someone do that in the first service, and it it flew all over the place, all right? So you just snap it. But the idea is... It's in the breaking that the light comes. And I'm praying that for the rest of your life, in just a second, when I count to three, we're going we're gonna to hold up our glow sticks and I'm going to pray over you. Because I'm praying, you see, that some of you don't realize that it could be that you don't get to see a healing until you go through some sickness. That you don't realize that there isn't a resurrection until, until Jesus died. 
until you realize that it isn't until there's brokenness that there comes a healing and a change. And I'm going to pray today that God opens your eyes, that in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your trials of life, that you're going to recognize that Jesus is there. He's drawing you close to him. He has a plan for you. And he's not only going to hold you together, but he's going to renovate you. He's going to make you better. He's going to make you stronger. So I want you to hold that glow stick up. You ready? If you haven't done it yet, on the count of three, we're going to break them. And then we're going to celebrate after I pray the resurrected Christ. One, are you ready for God to do something new? Two, are you ready for him to show up in the midst of your brokenness? Three, come on. Come on, right now. Right now. Are you ready? Come on, hold them up. Father, I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over every person in this room. Lord, those that are watching online, that those that are sick, right now you would show up and demonstrate your healing power. For those that are going through trials, I pray that you would recognize your grace and they would recognize your power. Reveal yourself to your people today. Reveal yourself to us in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. Come on, give him a praise. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, put your hands together, everybody. Here we go. Clap them. Here we go. Come on, get these up in the air. You ready? Whoa, whoa, whoa.